and all the diets that I tried on the market always had this mentality of when you lose weight, you will be everything in your life will work or uh, you can then love yourself and love your body. And food was the enemy and there was all this calorie counting and stepping on scales and it just didn't work for me. I just ended up disliking myself, my body and my state a lot less. And so I thought, well, I've been hating my body and I've been stepping on scales and counting these calories. So what if I shift it and start looking at as food as medicine and nutrient dense? And what if today I'm going to decide to really accept and love my body just the way it is in this moment without having to lose a single pound, without improving my chronic pain and just really accepting and loving this exact spot that I was in. And just by doing that, it shifted and created a different type of energy for me that allowed me to open the doors to see the next step and what was possible. We welcome you to explore the third place with us. It is an invitation to the gray space, a space where deeper connections are fostered through challenging, empowering, and engaging dialogue. You will walk away with a deeper understanding of self, equipped to engage with others in life's complex conversations. Thank you for listening. We invite you in to the third place. Happy New Year, everyone. We hope you had a great holiday season and maybe even got a little bit of rest. For many of us, the New Year is a time to take a pause and hit the reset button, so to speak. Sometimes this includes new mindfulness practices, sometimes new diet or exercise routines. It seems like the best times to make changes or create new habits are when there is a pivotal moment in your life. Well, for our guest, Joe Shulman, it was when she was literally hit by a truck. Joe was a state champion gymnast, a nationally ranked diver and diving coach, and while prepping for medical school, she was T-boned by a semi-truck during a cross-country bike tour. As a result of the accident, Joe was told she wouldn't live a normal life, let alone become a doctor. Her recovery process was both physically and emotionally grueling. But through her healing, she was able to unlock some universal healing principles that could not only help her, but other people as well. These discoveries are key foundations of the conscious cleanse. Because of her experience, Jo is driven to help people who think healing is out of their reach. And although she never became a doctor, Jo has been able to fulfill her lifelong mission of helping people heal. Well, before we welcome Jo to the third place, I wanted to briefly tell you about another podcast that I think you might get a lot out of. If you're fans of The Third Place, you'll love the podcast Thoughts from the Couch, hosted by licensed psychotherapist Justine Carino. In her podcast, she interviews wellness professionals on topics related to improving your mental health and gives her own clinical advice on managing anxiety, perfectionism, people-pleasing, boundary-setting, and unhealthy relationships. Some of her episodes have included conversations with guests about living with an anxiety order, being an adult child of an alcoholic, healing after a breakup, and how your family influences who you pick as a romantic partner. You'll definitely want to check out some episodes from Thoughts from the Couch. Now, Joe, welcome to The Third Place. 
I am beyond grateful to bring longtime friend Joe Shalman on today. Thank you so much for taking the time, Joe. Oh, thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. So you and I first met a decade ago. I was just telling David before we pushed record when I was running a coffee and juice bar in Boulder and you and your co-founder had just started or I think it was right around then the Conscious Cleanse. And so we partnered together bring these recipes to um, the juice bar customers and teaching them about cleansing and nourishing their bodies. And today I am really stoked because we get to learn more of your personal story and how it's really led to this work. So I want to just dive right in because you say something a lot and I think that it's a perfect launching pad. You like to say that getting hit by a truck saved your life. Um, so whoa for one, <laughs> and let's just <laughs> yeah. let's let's start there. Like, please bring context. Because yeah, story. we're talking about a literal truck, right? <laughs> Absolutely, I know. Like people sometimes are like, "Oh, I feel like I'm hit by a truck. Got hit by a truck." But I literally did get hit by a truck. Um, I think 2007 now. So I was riding my my bike across the country, the United States. I was about to go to medical school, and I took this job riding, um, doing this cross-country 3,000-mile trip with uh, 12 high school kids as one of the co-leaders. And um, about seven days from the finish of the trip, I got hit by a truck on my bike going 70 miles per hour, and I ended up breaking my back in seven places and um, was told that I would be disabled for the rest of my life and was told that I would never be a doctor, which is true. And I'm thankfully not a doctor. We, we all need doctors and my sister is a doctor, but, um, you know, thankfully that's, that's not where I ended up literally getting hit by this truck, created this fork in the road and, and created this trajectory in my life that, um, I don't think I would have taken otherwise in that way. There are so many reasons, but I was so dead set on being a doctor that it took this accident for me to be able to see that there was a different path for me. And I'm very stubborn and set and kind of driven. So I saw this one path as my path. And um, that, you know, it literally threw me into a different life. Yeah. So how did it do that? Like, what was the thing that took you out of the to even see that there was another possibility? I guess, what was the trigger for that? Well, one, I, I, was very tenacious about what my diagnosis was. And I was told by over 20 doctors that I would be disabled and um, would go to doctor after doctor because I thought, you know, this doctor might have a different opinion or a different way to deal with this. But all of them said, you know, here's a pain medication, Percocet. And I was given hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pain pills to deal with my pain. And that was the solution because I was in a this chronic level of pain at a level of a nine out of 10 every single day. And nobody knew what to do with it. And I had been a high level athlete. I was a gymnast. I competed in college and, you know, I couldn't even walk around the block. And I had been riding my bike a hundred miles a day. And I went from that to literally being able to do nothing. And so it, it put me in a different path because I didn't have a choice. My choice was to lie in bed and be depressed taking pain pills and not have a life 
because I didn't work, I couldn't do anything. I, I literally didn't have any anything in me to do anything. So I, I got to this point where after a couple of years of doing that, I was so sick of it and I couldn't do it. And I knew there had to be a different way. So that was part of my aha was just being like, this isn't working. And, and oftentimes that's how I work. <laughs> this isn't working. So what can work? And I think the question that was so powerful was what is working and what can work and starting to shift my thinking in that direction. And that's the question that I, I, I still continue to ask myself to today is like, what can work? What is possible rather than going into this rabbit hole of what's not possible? Yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty remarkable. So you were in bed for a couple of years and that, that over time kind of led you to that. All right. Are you able to walk today? I'm standing. I'm walk. Yes, I walked today. Okay, I, was- I, <laughs> I hiked many miles yesterday. I'm, awesome. um, yeah. And it, what I found as a result of my accident and creating the conscious cleanse was ultimately what helped heal my body and what, what allowed me to have a totally different path. You know, what wasn't working was taking pain pills and what wasn't. So I, I thought, well, what, what is the flip side of that? And I started looking at food and nutrition and healing. And I already had been in the yoga world teaching yoga. So looking at mindfulness and pairing those together. And again, I, Started looking at nutrition, which is easy then when you start looking at nutrition to look at diets and then look at weight loss. And because of my accident, I had gained 40 pounds and I'm 5'1", and that's a lot of weight. So I thought I got really hooked into the idea, well, I just need to lose my, I need to lose this weight. And when I do lose the weight, it'll be better. And then my pain will go away and life, you know, everything will shift. And that thinking never worked. And all the diets that I tried on the market always had this mentality of when you lose weight, you will be, you know, everything in your life will work or, uh, you can then love yourself and love your body. And, and food was the enemy. And there was all this calorie counting and stepping on scales and it just didn't work for me. I just, and I ended up disliking myself, my body and my state. Uh, a lot less. And so I thought, well, I've been hating my body and I've been stepping on scales and counting these calories. So what if I shift it and start looking at as food as medicine and nutrient dense? And what if today I'm going to decide to really accept and love my body just the way it is in this moment without having to lose a single pound, without improving my chronic pain and just really accepting and loving this exact spot that I was in. And just by doing that, it shifted and created a different type of energy for me that allowed me to open the doors to see the next step and what was possible. Did you, did you ever have moments of that acceptance around the Percocets? Um, I asked because I feel like sometimes there's this time that we really need traditional, Mm. uh, Western medicine too. And that in my experience, um, with insomnia, I've really pressed against and hated being, you know, quote unquote, dependent on or relying on something, um, that wasn't from a, a natural source. And that for me, when I started to realize, oh, this is also medicine too. And if it wasn't so charged that it like actually worked better or it's worked better, I'm wondering, did you, ever have yep. moments like that in those three years that you had some radical acceptance of the 
of that side of it too before you shifted into this whole new evolution? You know, I saw a doctor who said to me, you just need to get the pain cycle turned off in your body. And initially it was, you know, it was like, you're not going to do this forever and just get those circuits shut off because your body is just in pain and pain and pain. And so I did have this level of acceptance, although I didn't want to take pain meds. But what happened for me is when I took the pain meds, I just was dulled out yeah, and my health declined. So I didn't do well with that. It didn't work for me. Now I've had two C-sections from children as a result, like in my life. And I took pain meds during those times. And I think that's a different type of experience. Like you're dealing with a pain in a, in a like a short amount of time. I think long-term, like for me, it just, it just wasn't, it didn't work. Yeah. 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 I mean, in, in part when you were first telling the story and, and the transition of, um, a realization of this other path, like part of what I heard was like, in some ways, the pain was this gift to get you to this place. And so by knowing the pain, you are knowing the positive parts of what the pain was trying to tell your body, this is a way I can get out. And, and so you were almost numbing the solution too, um, until there was this mental shift. But is that a way to say that? Absolutely. Absolutely. And even to this day, because you know, we created our program and it was a 14 day experiment just for ourselves. And in those 14 days of looking at food as medicine and plants and, and a different principles that we created, my pain went from a nine to a five in two weeks. And I lost 14 pounds Whoa. and reduced inflammation. And it was. Sounds like a, a a commercial in the best way, right? It's like right? you can't make that up. <laughs> no, it was people saw me and they're like, you just came back to life. Yeah. And no longer um, dull. Yeah. And so my pain has reduced as a result of what we've done. I still have chronic pain or persistent pain. It ha- it's not totally gone. I've really learned how to manage it. But when I am out of balance or out of whack or um, maybe not even realizing things that are happening in my life, my, my back will tell me. And so it's this gift that is, is my body is talking to me when I don't want to necessarily hear it from my mind. And I think all of us have that in us. We have these gifts and this intuition and this wisdom that exists in our bodies. And if we choose to listen to it, it's really amazing. I've noticed that I'm able to listen to those things when I slow down more, right? And so I feel like what you pointed out too was that everything you said leading up to the injury was, I mean, a hundred mile a day bike ride Mm -hmm. on the track to be a doctor. Teaching yoga was like just a side thing you brought up too. And on top of everything else in your life. So clearly so high achieving and, um, and very fast paced. So was also part of this injury about slowing down and finding balance or restoration or, or do you feel that the path that you've taken now is slower in comparison or no? Uh, I definitely have been, yeah, very driven. And I feel like, um, it's, uh, it, I don't think at that I think in that place, I got glimpses of slowing down. I think it took me a really long time because when you've operated it a certain way your whole life, it doesn't just unwind overnight. That was one piece, one chunk that kind of like chipped away. I think at that really high intensity driven go, go, go push through part of my personality. And then I've had 
subsequent things happen to me, unfortunately, <laughs> in my life that I feel like it's these big, I've had a lot of big things that have been like, no, that's not the way you need to operate. And I'm continually learning this lesson, but I've had several head traumas, not just from this accident, but those every time have been this pause and this like reset and slow down. And it's unfortunately not, it's, it's not like, oh, I'm going to learn this or I'm going to slow down. It's like something that knocks me out and into bed and I can't do anything else. And I'm forced to, to do that. But I think that those times are, have been gifts and opportunities. Absolutely. I love that you brought up, I mean, it's unfortunate, something that you and I can relate on is having a traumatic brain injury and that we, when we talked just recently, uh, like how, you know, so much of having a broken back is, is one thing. And then to also have experienced a traumatic brain injury is a whole other thing, especially when you were saying when my, my mind versus my body telling me things. And I'm just curious, how has the brain injury continued to support your path in in doing this and, and is it related as well? Well, I didn't know it, but I because back fifteen years ago, more more now, people weren't really talking about brain injuries the way that they are now. And so I don't think I even realized I had a brain injury, but I I couldn't I couldn't do lots of things. I couldn't focus all the signs and symptoms. I had brain fog, um, irritability, you know, all the all the things that go with it. And then it took me many, many years and I, I started to feel better and I was healing from some of those symptoms, uh, which definitely helped through nutrition and diet. But then it was four years ago, I was sitting underneath my desk and I hit the corner really hard in my head. You would never think something small like that, but it like nailed me and it, I had this huge goose egg and I was like, Oh gosh, I can't believe I did that. And I, it caused a severe brain injury. Um, where I was out for four months and um, I had a two-year-old and I couldn't do anything. I couldn't drive. I couldn't, you know, I couldn't function. I, you know, I couldn't, you know, Mary, you can't look at light. You can't sound everything. And so that was another like time where I had to pause and really look at myself and my life and the way that I was operating and how fast paced, because I think they're always different ways to look at what you're doing. And I've always, although the conscious cleanse is a much slower way for me to live compared to being a doctor and I get to call the shots, being an entrepreneur is still very high intensity. If you want to, you know, fulfill what your mission and your vision and your like deep desires are inside. Yeah. So what additional like insecurities then come with that. So I imagine like you're one, you're dealing with all that internally, right? So brain fog, irritability, and you're like seeing all that play out. But does it add then to the insecurities that you have externally? Yeah, I'm curious if you had any insecurities that come from it. Because I know in my experience, I always felt like I was so sharp and on top of things. Mm. And I think that I still, when I'm really taking care of myself and treating myself with kid gloves, even, you know, to this day, a few years later, um, I can achieve that sharpness that I felt or it's subtle. But one of my experiences that always makes me feel insecure is I can't remember people's names or I, Mm -hmm. I like don't really remember if I had met them, especially if maybe I was even slightly dehydrated that day. So do you have some of those insecurities come up on the day to day still since I think, you know, a TBI doesn't even ever go away, it feels like. Actually, that's one of the biggest ones that I have as well. Is <laughs> you too? It's, um, yep, name recognition and knowing if I've met somebody. 
and and I used to be so good at that, Mary. I think we've talked about it, but when yes. I used to like teach Don't yoga leave it classes. To us to remember though. <laughs> no, I know exactly. I used to teach yoga classes, and I could have forty new people come in, and I could remember every single person. Wow. And my mate, but like that was just so sharp on me. And now. I meet somebody, I'm like, oh my gosh, what's your, their name again? And I am just really like honest. Either I, I, I don't necessarily always say about my brain injury, but I'm like, I might have to ask you that again. And it's okay if you ask me again. I don't expect you to remember my name and <laughs> it's that. totally fine. So <laughs> please I, I forget like my of, names. So I'm yeah, not alone. <laughs> I kind of set it up and it's a, it's interesting how many people say, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm so bad at that, you know, so that it gives them permission to not feel like they're on the hook either. Yeah. So these little, there's those little adjustments that I think are more like physical and tangible, but then really so much of your work is about also little adjustments, right? Yeah. But more in the food as medicine space. And so I, I would love to learn more about, first of all, like what is the conscious cleanse and what's your approach to it? So the conscious cleanse is a 14 day clean eating program. It's all about eating whole foods and real foods and um, when people hear the word cleanse, oftentimes they think it's liquids or starving only, but our, our definition, and this can be a de- definition of cleanses, is it's just cleaning your body. It's, 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 it's cleansing your body, but you can still eat real food. You can still eat without feeling like you're starving. You can even eat meat and fish on a cleanse, but, uh, if you want. And our perspective is there's not one way to eat for every single person. And so people come to us and we really try to help them find their blueprint for their health, uh, including what foods make them thrive and what foods make them not thrive. And Jules, my co-founder, and I kind of stumbled upon this in an interesting way because we eat very differently. I eat meat, she doesn't. She's She's more, more vegan and I'm kind of more paleo-ish. And when we put together the program, what we did is we made, had some really big central themes like vegetables would be the center of our universe no matter what. So two thirds of our plate, veggies. And then whatever the other third is, it could be a meat. It could be, you know, a non-gluten grain. It could be beans. It could be all of these. We didn't demonize certain food groups like, oh, this was a low carb or this was, um, you know, you can't eat grains because some people absolutely thrive on grains while some people absolutely don't. And so we saw that, that if we had this commonality of eating more veggies and then taking out some of the really big allergens like gluten, dairy, sugar, caffeine, alcohol, soy, those are some of the big ones, corn. And when we took those out and then reintroduced and said, well, okay, with those now, how does this make you feel? Some people really realize, well, I actually can tolerate dairy and dairy's fine for me. Like Jules can tolerate a little bit of dairy. I can't. Jules can tolerate some gluten. I can't. And you find out what works and what doesn't. Um, and so that there is this kind of personalization to that. And you can do it with a slew of different foods, not just the big allergens that we start with that are the most, most common allergens. Well, I was just getting ready to comment too, like, how it feels like cleansing always gets like an eye roll, or at mm-hmm. least in my world, if, if you say you're going to do a cleanse, or if I think about doing a cleanse, that's immediately where I go. It's like, yeah, you're like oh. all the things that I can't eat, and which makes it harder, right? There's yeah. an emotional attachment and all that stuff. So I think what I hear in that is um, 
Well, I hear a couple things. One is, is hope that I can do a cleanse and be successful with it, but a little bit more of like almost the 80 20. Like we understand yes. that uh, we, we need uh, certain foods for that fuel part for the, and the best fuel comes from vegetables and a balance and, and that kind of thing. But you get 20 to play with and, and, you know, listen to your body and see how it all thrives too. And that definitely makes it more palatable and, and maybe can remove some of the eye rolls of, of cleansing. Totally. And I think the hard part, and we actually do a 14 day cleanse and then we go into what we call the 80 20, which is teaching people then how to navigate that because it's one thing to have this concept of like, okay, 80% eat the foods that where I thrive and 20% eat these foods, but it's, it's not so, it, it actually gets really complicated and just the small nuances of like, how much can I eat these foods, even though what is 20% and, and maybe some foods I can have on a daily basis, maybe some foods on a weekly basis, maybe some foods on a monthly basis, and some foods just very, very special occasions, um, depending. And, and the biggest thing is nobody's going to, we're not going to ever tell somebody you can't eat a food, right? Like we're going to say, just know how it makes you feel. And you get to make that decision, especially in your 80-20. Like if you know sugar makes you irritable and grumpy and you don't sleep well, nobody, I'm not going to tell you not to eat sugar. I'm going to say, if you decide to eat sugar, know how it makes you feel so that if you have those things happen, you can just say, oh, that was sugar, right? Like that's part of the thing. And then if you're going to eat sugar, you're going to eat a dessert, you're going to eat whatever, enjoy every bite of it and don't have any guilt or shame because the guilt or shame is this whole nother layer that really adds to when you're eating food. Because people, it's often in times that they'll say like, oh, I'm going to have a scoop of ice cream, but they feel so guilty they eat the pint, right? So it's like the guilt and the shame around food that doesn't allow people to really have that balance. So you're you know, coaching or mentoring, I mean, I don't know the the right word, people that are going through cleanses. And I feel like it reminds me of how when someone would come to the coffee bar, I would see the worst in them before they got their cup of coffee. <laughs> and, and you're basically uh, working with people that are probably experiencing some um, pain or detox as a result of that, right? I, do you mm-hmm. have any themes or stories of some of the the flack or challenge that you that you deal with when someone's going through cleansing as you're guiding them? We really try to set people up for, hey, this is what could be happening to you so people know. But I would say in the 14 days, the you know, the the first five days are where people are detoxing the hardest. And that's where we see sometimes you know, people getting really irritable or grumpy or like, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to quit or I need my cup of coffee or whatever that is. Um, I mean, I, 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 somebody wrote us an email once, like, cause you can write us emails anytime and we support you. It just was like, I want a cookie. And that was like, <laughs> it. <laughs> so they don't, they don't email. make it personal. It's never personal against you. Cause I could see that that could, that could come up sometimes. <laughs> For the most part, people are actually pretty good. There are times yeah. you can see people that are irritable and be, may be like, ah, I don't like that thing you said, but it doesn't happen very often. I feel like we really, we've tried to set them up like, here's what you could be experiencing and these are results. And we have such a great community of people doing it who've not only done it one, two, three times, but have been doing cleanses for years with us. And so they also chime in and say, oh my gosh, I know I felt that way too. And I think the 
the like community aspect of what we've created really allows and supports us as well in, in that other people hear, um, other people's experience and like, yeah, okay, I, I'm feeling a little grumpy towards them, but it's, it's not, <laughs> it's not them. <laughs> so another kind of charged question that I wanted to ask is, I'm sure that this comes up with people that may have disordered eating. Can it, mm. can it trigger disordered eating? And how do you navigate that if that is a part of it? I mean, I think so many people have some sort of disordered eating. So many people have been on diets. I think there is this spectrum um, of what that looks like. You know, people who have been on and off diets a lot of their lives or have, I mean, the, the statistic is that 75% of women are on a diet at any given time in this country. And so to me, there already is some thinking that's distorted. And that that statistic is really increasing for men as well. So what we try to do is retrain the thinking around, around your body and food and, and address that head on being like, please don't step on a scale. Um, know that your results may not be about weight loss and that if you do lose weight, that's fine if that's for you. Um, and if there are some people who shouldn't be losing weight. Um, when it comes to somebody who's had like a history of a, a, like an eating disorder, we oftentimes will say we really need you to have a lot more accountability and support from a therapist in tandem with our program. And then we will communicate and make sure that we're, you know, in contact with that therapist because it's good to make sure that you're not going down into making this your new vehicle for an eating disorder. Yeah, I mean, it sounds a, a little bit of what you said in the a moment ago, like really trying to hone in on what works best for that person, and 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 looking not just at the one factor of body weight or body image, but truly that whole self. Like you're yeah. moving into that whole self. I, I think that one of the things that I heard that was common with an with the injury part for you was there was this moment where you had to listen to your body and there was the pause that was needed to do that. There was a little bit of a slowing down that was needed for that. Mm. What I heard about the cookie was almost the same thing. And you almost get the same results, right? Like the slow down, like do this thing, but when you do it, do it well and do it in this slow method so that we can remove the guilt. And I, I think that that relates to the slowing down. Our, our society is celebrates fast pace and without question, we want to, um, embrace fast pace at certain moments in our life, but there's also, we can get so fast paced that we stop listening to our body, stop listening to the pain, take that breath and see that your body's trying to tell you something, um, because your mind isn't cracking through. That's right? right. So, so it feels, so yeah, it just feels like it is all connected to this slowing down and holistic approach of, of your mind, body and spirit all together through a cleanse. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. We're asking people to be more mindful in the ways that they eat. So instead of, you know, watching TV or looking at your phone, just start to chip away at little mindful practices, like eat your food. Don't look at anything. Don't do anything else. You can have a conversation with somebody. You can eat a meal with somebody, but, but, but really be present in your body and see how those feel. And there are times again to be really revved up, but there are times we, we can't really digest our food if we're in a fight or flight state. And oftentimes we get re the getting revved up is getting in that fight or flight. And, um, again, there are times for that, but we also need to know how to like regulate 
and come down. And I think when we can learn how to cycle really effectively, that it's just, it really makes for more, more balance overall. And, and then it's, but it's, it's one thing to say. So you have to say, here's like a very concrete practice or habit that I can try. And then that is a tool that I have. It's not like, okay, well, now you should be restful. Well, well, how do I do that? You know? <laughs> right, right. So yeah. real quick though, like physically speaking, your body struggles with digestion if you're in a fight or flight, which is like partly busyness too. That's right. Wow. Yeah. And that. yeah. And metabolizing and, mm-hmm. and all of the above, right? And um, absorbing nutrients and. Yes. And feeling satiation. Yes. So like people are overeating, but also not get, not getting the food that they need and not absorbing oh, wow. nutrients because their body is in a fight or flight state. Mm-hmm. So much of this, I mean, I love this topic so much and that's why we connected so long ago too, was that this is something that I think is really, really uh, potent, such potent work. I mean, we, we have food as a part of our everyday, you know, three to 20 times a day. And, and so really using it, like you said, as a tool and as medicine is so important to develop that relationship where, um, it can advocate for you. And it just really brings me back to, or reminds me of what you were saying in the beginning. It was like, you were talking a lot about how, what didn't work for you. Mm. And that what you just talked about really was that you're helping guide people in what does work for you. And that, and that even if you're, um, choosing to eat the thing that makes your body not feel great, um, at least you can bring that into consciousness and make that choice and, and, and be able to recover as you need to. And that that little spark of joy was, was just as helpful as maybe the, the pain or the bloating afterwards. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it, you know, knowing that that's the way that you were going to live, but having the tools to say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to ha- have glass, a couple glasses of wine tonight that will happen. But like, what can you do during the glasses of wine? Or what can you do to set yourself up before that glass of wine? And then what can you do the day after to really make yourself feel better? And there are things that can make a huge difference and learn that uh, you people wouldn't have known before. So I think that's all part of the process too. And I I just so wish that it didn't take someone getting hit by a truck to, <laughs> to find, to find um, their path. But I do feel like there's these massive life moments. We talk a lot about, you know, pinches and that like it takes really getting run down or knocked down in a certain way. I feel like it's oftentimes repeatedly to start to hear what your body is trying to tell you and the universe will let you know. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thankfully, we don't have to get hit by a truck, but you can share your story and wisdom <laughs> with with everybody, so we can avoid that that, that path. Joe, Joe took it for so, us. <laughs> yeah. yeah so, there you I go. Mean, where, where can we connect? Then you know how do I, how do we point people to you so we can tap into your life experiences? Uh, well, one, you can go to our our website consciouscleanse.com, and it's um, conscious, not conscience. Sometimes people get that messed up. Um, conscious cleanse. And um, we just came out actually, well, I have it right here, but oh, you, you guys can't see me, even though I am <laughs> on video. We have a, a book, um, the conscious cleanse, and we just came out with a conscious cleanse cookbook um, in the last few months. And you can get all of those at your regular local bookstore or Amazon, wherever you shop. And um, those, you know, I think at least what we find people, the biggest thing they want are, you know, recipes and ways to like incorporate that into their life. And we have tons of, of that on our website and our new cookbook. 
Very cool. Love it. Yeah, I I'm lucky that I have the book. So um, oh. the cookbook and abs- well, actually, I have both. <laughs> um, and the cookbook is amazing. Not only oh. I feel like cookbooks are such an experience, right? You want to be able to like move through it really well. It has like a feeling to it beyond because it's. I mean, it reminds me of I think all of us grew up with cookbooks and fewer and fewer these days. And it's just like has such a really nice experience to the book itself and everything in there is and i know you guys were intentional about it because you guys are intentional about everything that you do so definitely check it out awesome well thank you i this was like so i love love talking to you guys this just like it's flying by (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah well thanks for coming on joe and for uh you know bringing this perspective into what cleansing is and how it can it doesn't have to be this uh, I don't know, jaded thing and that we can find um, just find food as medicine and other things as medicine right. and really start to, to tune in and listen to what what makes us feel good. Absolutely. Yep. Awesome. awesome. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, guys. Be well. Third Place Podcast is produced by Podcast Publishing House. If you like what you're hearing, follow us and subscribe at all of your favorite platforms, Apple, Spotify. Also check out the episodes on our website, thirdplacepodcast.com, for additional resources and transcriptions of our episodes. The Third Place is all about continuing the conversation. So make sure you follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Third Place Podcast. There you can check out our weekly co-host Happy Hours on IGTV. And if you like what you're hearing and want to continue to support our work, you can check out our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash third place podcast.